Welcome to the series premiere shear and pilot episode of Half Torah here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. Now, what exactly is Half Torah? Is that to suggest that half of the time we're going to be learning Torah and half of the time we'll be doing something else? We'll just be fooling around, we'll be bottling, being Mavatal Torah. So obviously that's not what we're going for. And also the title is not to suggest that half of the content is perhaps somewhat Torah and the other half is really not, right, like a half-truth. So it's not what we're going for either, so we'll quickly dispel that and clarify very simply that the purpose of this particular shear is to explore the deeper connection that exists between the Parsha Shavua, or the weekly Sidra, and its corresponding Haftarah, or the portion that is read from Navi on Shabbos right after the Parsha Shavua. And this particular Sheer series comes from recommendations from listeners like you. Uh, more than one listener actually suggested that we take a dive into the Haftarah. They wanted to learn more about what exactly it is about these Navi portions we're supposed to, to glean and learn. And I would therefore mention that the purpose of this Sheer is really twofold. Maybe we could argue threefold. Number one is that even though perhaps we know what the weekly Parsha is. Hopefully, if someone will ask you, what's this week's Parsha, you'll be able to answer. And hopefully, and we'll take for granted that you will not only know what this week's Parsha is, but you'll even know what the content is of this week's Parsha. And if you don't, so you'll have to go back to the archives and listen to old Shiorim and old series like Parsha Panorama, where we break down the entire Parsha for you and give you all of the content of the Parsha. But hopefully, to some extent, you're Mavir Sedra, you're already looking over the Parsha, so you already know what's in the Parsha. And we're not going to neglect the Parsha, but hopefully you'll also be able to identify what the Haftarah is. And there are a couple of reasons why you would want to, besides for just knowing since it's going to be read. But to point out simply, if you would be able to know, oh, this week's Parsha, okay, well, that means the Haftarah is taken from here. And maybe... Most weeks, you can just give a guess, and you'll say, oh, Yishayahu, right? The, the Haftarah is from Yishayahu. And that would be a good guess most weeks, because Yishayahu um, happens to be the most often featured Navi that we find in Haftarah, as happens to be the case that this week's Parsha, Bereshis, and Noach, and Lachacha are all taken from Sefer Yishayahu. Um, obviously, it's not the case for every single week, and even if the goal is not to be able to know each and every parak or each and every capital of the Haftarah, but you should be able to know which Navi the Haftarah is taken from, and not only that, but to know the nature of the Haftarah. So yes, maybe you can name it as Yishayahu, but what's the difference between the Haftarah of Bereshis versus that of Noach, for example, or any other Haftarah that comes from Yishayahu. What is the defining feature of the Haftarah? Not just the what, but the why of the Haftarah. Why is this Haftarah selected for this particular Parsha? What about this Haftarah that's taken from Yishayahu? Why is this being read for Parshas Bereshis? So that's the kind of thing that we're hopefully going to take a deeper look at as we try to better understand the Haftarah itself. What is the Navi telling us this week? And why did our spiritual leaders choose this one to correspond to this particular Parsha. So that's among the things that we're going to try to have a better understanding of. And I want to just uh, thank one of our avid listeners and contributors, Yona Laster, 
Bamo for coming up with the name Half Torah and for all the different contributions he's made to share in the past, among them sponsorships, which, by the way, if you want to join him and Anonymous and other sponsors um, here at the database, you want to partner up with us because you enjoy the Shiram on the podcast or you're excited about this upcoming series. So then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. It's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Same place to reach out if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations for different um, ideas for the particular Shiram that we give here on the podcast or if you want to join the Database Podcast WhatsApp group for frequent updates or links for every uploaded Shir. And once again, you just have to reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com, thedata, then base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. Okay, so before we take a look at this particular Haftarah, I want to just take a little bit of a look at the origins of Haftarah in general. Let's identify our terms. What is a Haftarah? So literally, the word Haftarah, or the word Maftir, which also shares the same Shoresh, same shoresh actually is the word nifter, when someone passes away. The idea here is someone is departing. Haftarah means parting. We are parting from the Kriyas HaTorah, from the Parsha Shavua, and we're moving over into the Navi section. Now, the origins of Haftarah are actually quite obscure, and I'll mention that although the Gemara already references the existence of the Haftarah concept for special Shabbosos, for example, the four Parshios, and yes, in this series, we will be not only looking at the weekly, um, regular um, Haftarah that corresponds to the Sidra, but when special Shabbosos come up, we'll try to um, look at those particular Haftaros as well, those, ma- those special Maftirim. Um, we'll devote some time to that as well. But we, of course, have a Haftarah for every given Shabbos. And it's not entirely clear when and why the reading of the weekly Haftarah was originally instituted. And different suggestions have been offered by by the Poskim and by the Rishonim. So, for example, the most famous, perhaps, is offered by the Avud Ram, who suggested that the weekly Haftarah was really instituted as a sort of consolation reading, which was intended to be the substitute for the Kriyasa Torah, meaning at the time that Haftarah was originally instituted, there was no Kriyasa Torah that came with it. All they read was the Haftarah, and this was because, apparently, during times of religious persecution, so the reading of, of Torah, of Chumash, was considered to be forbidden, and therefore they read the Navi, which would give a shout-out, perhaps, or maybe something more, to that week's Parsha. However, um, not not everyone necessarily agrees with that suggestion, although it's the most common and um, the, perhaps the, the most prominent and maybe the most accepted. Rosh Hashanah Hirsch suggested alternatively that the Haftar was instituted to combat not the um, religious persecutions, at least um, the non-Jewish world, um, people against us, but actually the enemies within our nation, the false and illegitimate sects of Judaism who didn't consider Nevi'im as being part of Tanakh, as part of our holy scriptures, so we want to particularly devote time to learning Navi. And of course, that's something, Navi for many Jews is also a sore topic, something that's often neglected. And although we're not giving uh, full justice to all of the Nevi'im, at the very least, we believe um, in, the, in the fact that Hashem is the one who is Bachar B'Nevi'im Tovim, to use that play on words from the opening bracha of the Haftarah, Hashem has chosen good prophets, and we believe that our spiritual leaders have chosen good portions from Navi to be read for each parsha. So we're going to, once again, come back to understanding um, the relationship between the parsha and the parsha Shavuah, because whether the goal of Haftarah was to, was to supplement 
or to complement the Parsha Shavua, each Haftar was indeed selected by our spiritual leaders, whether it was by Chazal or perhaps by the later Savorayim or Go'onim. Most often the purpose was to serve as some sort of reflection on that particular Kriya Torah, with few exceptions that we'll mention in the future when it's relevant. But most of the time, the Haftarah actually reflects something upon the Parsha. And so if our goal is to not only be able to identify the Haftarah, but also to know, again, the what and the why, but perhaps also to see not only what is this Navi telling us in this isolated passage of Navi, but if this was chosen for the Haftarah, not only why was it chosen for the Haftarah, but what about the Parsha did our spiritual leaders want us to glean based on the Haftarah? Right, like uh, given Russia by a Rav on, in Shul about a Parsha, that Rav is picking a piece from the Parsha that he wants you to know. And most of the time, the Haftar is not giving you the entire Parsha, though sometimes I will argue it gives us more of the Parsha than we think it does, and I think that is the case for this week's Parsha, which is voracious. But most of the time, it would seem that the Haftar is giving a shout-out to the Parsha. If that's true, and it's not more than that, but again, I will argue that many times it is more than that, but if it's just giving us a snippet from the Parsha, which snippet is it giving us? What does the Haftarah recommend we look at in the Parsha? So that's a good point that I think we'll, we'll hone in on as well. But with that um, extended introduction to this brand new series, and without further ado, let's take a look at the Parsha Hashavua and its corresponding Haftarah, which is taken from Yeshayahu. Of course, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Voracious, and the Navi portion is Yeshayahu, particularly from Parak Membez, Pasuk Hey, that's 42.5, and it goes all the way to Memgimel Yud, which is 43.10. So the Haftarah for, for Voracious from, from once again Yeshayahu, 42.5 to 43.10, at first glance is a very easy choice. And the simple understanding behind this particular selection really lies in no further than the first Pasuk, the very first verse, which references creation, my Seboratius. Right? If there's perhaps one thing that we might take from Parsha's Boratius, it's Boratius, my Seboratius, the fact that Hashem created the world. And if you look in the very first Pasuk of Laftar, so you find it right there, which reads, so what exactly does that mean? So the Pasuk tells us that thus says Hashem, or thus says God Hashem, who created the heavens and stretched them forth, who firmed the earth and its produce, to quote from Art Scroll, who gave a soul to the people upon it, and a spirit to those who walk on it. So we have the creation of the universe, heaven and earth, and we have the creation of mankind, the two most important creations that we find in this week's Parsha, the beginning of creation, and then, of course, the apex of creation, we have, So we have the creation of the world, the universe, and creation of mankind. Great. So far, so good. Now, again, so in conveying 
Hashem's word to the people. The Navi elaborately labels Hashem as the creator of everything. And again, that's arguably the most crucial message of Bereshus. Now, that's just the opening line. And it's a great summary of Bereshus. But if that's the case, how much longer did the Haftarah need to be, right? Maybe the Haftarah could have just been a Pasuk long. Now, there is no such thing as a Haftarah that's just a Pasuk long. So the question is, is this opening Pasuk the only reason for the selection? Perhaps we could suggest it's the primary reason. But what else does the Navi have to tell us after telling us that Hashem is the creator of the world? Right? Well, like, what comes next? And if we read what comes next, does that have any bearing on the rest of the Parsha that we're going to be reading about this Shabbos, when we read the Navi that comes with it. So what else is there? Is there anything else there? Or is that really it? You heard the first Pasuk, you know the connection, you're done. Right? So what I'll also mention before we go any further is that there are and have been many books, many Sfarim that have been devoted to um, taking a look at the potential connection between the Parsha and the Haftarah. And I will suggest that I feel that in a lot of these books, and even in the Heiliga Art Scroll, which, by the way, even though I mentioned that facetiously, really I do give a lot of respect to Art Scroll, but I'll argue just a little bit that I feel like the connection that's often offered by Art Scroll is a very surface connection, and I'm going to humbly, but with a little bit of gaiva, suggest that I think I, um, we can do a little bit better. We could do a little bit more to justify the Haftarah. Um, the only reason that comes with Gaiva is just because of my honesty. Um, I'm, 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 I am doing this Lahagdil Torah Viadira, and in this case, Lahagdil Navi Viadira. Um, and hopefully, um, the Savoda will be accepted. Biava um, Varatzon. And um, let's, let's, t- let's take a look a little bit further. Because again, what is the message of this Haftarah in its entirety? We got the first line, great. Yes, God is the creator of everything. But the Haftar apparently has more to share, right? So if this opening line is merely the way Shayo chose to title Hashem, but it's not the fuller message, it's an introduction to the message, so then what is the actual message? And with that question, I will ask another question. Let's take for granted that which the Torah tells us in the beginning of Bereshus, that Hashem is the creator of the world. We know that Rashi argues that the Parsha could have reasonably started off with the very first mitzvah. The Torah could have started off with the first mitzvah. Rashi quotes from his father, Rabbi Yitzchak, that the Torah should have started with the Chodesh the very first mitzvah. And whether you like that Havamina, you like that question or not, we can argue other reasons why the Torah would start with creation, because it's just the very first thing that happened in history. Now, the Torah is not a history book. There are a lot of arguments that you can make otherwise. And Rashi gives his own answer as to why the Torah begins with Bereshus. But let's just say the simple message of Bereshus Hashem is the creator of the world. So the follow-up question is, so what? So what? Hashem created the world? Like, that, that's amazing, right? But what do we do with that information? I want to argue that that's the question that's really... Um, that, that, that's really um, addressed by our Haftarah. So indeed, what I want to argue is that if one looks at the passage of our Haftarah more deeply and its entirety, 
one might take away more than the simple and obvious lesson that Hashem created the world. He could walk away with an understanding of the further implications of this reality that God created the world. That yes, Hashem created the world, and therefore, so what? So, yes, firstly, in just the opening Pasuk, the Navi stress is not just that Hashem created the world, but that Hashem is the eternally acting creator of the universe. He's the Osei Shemayim Varetz, or he's the Borei Shemayim. So, He's constantly doing it, meaning creation is not just something that God did, but it's something that he continues to do. He's the constant creator and, yes, the owner. We actually find that the word kone, that's also used to describe Hashem, he's the kone of the world. So kone is often translated as not only the acquirer um, or the buyer of an object, but it is the creator and the owner, the one who acquired it. Now, we'll 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 take a look closer. So let's see. So if we continue reading along through the Navi, we will find perhaps what is more important than the fact that Hashem created the world, and that is what that means and requires of us. Yes, Hashem created the world, but take a look further in the Navi, see what the Navi says. Right, so let's take a look at what the Navi says just a little bit further. And I'll just mention from the outset that we're not going to do every single Pasuk, but it is worth it for you to take a look at the Navi yourself um, as as a, you know, you can consider this shear as a companion to your reading of the Haftarah. And by the way, during the Haftarah itself, um, there, there are many, um, it's an unknown um, halacha that really you should be reading along with the Haftarah, especially if the one reading the actual Haftarah in Shul is not doing it out of a cloth. So really to be Yotze, I've heard that you have to read along with the Navi. But we'll look at some of the Pesukim here. So again, if Hashem, if Hashem says and creation follows, if what Hashem says goes, does it not stand to reason that this law should apply to all of creation and mankind no less? Right? This, I think, is what the Navi's takeaway message is going to be. That although man was formed differently than the rest of creation, right? All of creation just acts and does what God says. But man was like God with the ability to intelligently accomplish things, to make decisions, to personally choose to follow, or even defy the law of creation. But the lesson is that all of creation is meant to follow Hashem, even mankind. And I think this is what the Navi comes along to remind us. Because early on, the Navi references how the Bnei Israel was formed to be a part of a Brissa covenant and to be a light unto the nations. Says the Navi, This is in 42.6, the very next Pasuk. I appointed you to bring the people to the covenant as a light of the nations. Very simply. Now, when we think about this reference to light in the passage about creation, does that not sound familiar and recall Hashem's creation of light on day one? And in this context of light, can certainly shed light, pun intended, on the intended symbol of light in Bereshus, right? God's creation of light, like the bris with the Bnei Israel, is really a testament symbolizing that Hashem, the Creator, is the guide and source of all direction in life. He shines light, tells us which way to go. The Torah is considered an or. And as Bnei Israel adheres to its bris, it also proceeds to shine God's guidance to the world. Just like Hashem created the Torah to guide us, Hashem created us to be the light to the nations, to give sight to the blind and reveal God as being the sole source of truth, as is further 
expressed in the Psukim, as the Pasuk tells us, What's the purpose of this light that we are serving as? To open blind eyes and to bring forth a prisoner from confinement, those sitting in the dark. Interestingly, those who sit in the dark, that's a, that's a phrase that we find used in contemporary times. Someone who's sitting in the dark is someone who's uninformed. He's considered someone who's a prisoner. And what's our job with our light? It's to open blind eyes. Says the Navi further, 42.8, I am Hashem, it's my name, don't wear it out, and I will not ascribe my glory to another, nor my praise to the idols. Harishanos, Behold, the early prophecies have come about. Now I will relate new ones. Before they sprout, I will let you hear them. And what are in these prophecies? So let's skip a little bit to Pasuk Tazai and Pasuk 16. So the Navi references once again this concept of light. I will lead the blind on the road that they do not know, meaning the road they will not otherwise know. And the paths they don't know. Adrichem, I will lead them. Asimach shach lefnehem laor. I will walk them. I will place the darkness. I will turn the darkness to light in front of them. Which means that, and also the crooked ones, the crooked paths, I will turn to straight ones. These are the things that I have done and not neglected. In other words, what's the goal? To differentiate between light and dark. As the Pasuk in Bereshis already tells us, that Hashem was mavdil benor lechoshech. The difference between day and night. The difference between night and day. That is the goal of the Torah at large and the goal of Klal Yisrael. And we find it in the very first day of creation. But I will argue that it's not just the first day of creation, but we're going to see it's the first story in Bereshis as well. Let's take a look further. Now, undoubtedly, Creation stresses that it is only God and his counsel that can provide knowledge and light. But if we take a closer look at this passage, the parallels to Horatius really go further than day one. Because the reality that God is the only source of worthy knowledge and light is stressed in these verses, which directly argue with the counsel of none other than the Nachash Akadmon, the primordial, the primeval serpent, who argues defiance of God in the very opening narrative of, of Beratius. In Beratius, Parak Gimel, we find that the serpent argues that if you defy God, then that will open your eyes. The Nachash told Chav, you know what you can do? You can open your blind eyes and you'll be able to be informed. You'll have da'as, you'll have knowledge, you'll be like Hashem knowing good and evil. That's what he argued. And of course, these verses, they counter-argue that God's light is what truly opens eyes, removes man from the dark and grants him knowledge. But what did mankind do? He went for the forbidden fruit with the goal of opening his eyes rather than allowing God to lead him on the path that he did not know. Perhaps a path of counsel, of life, right? What were the two paths in front of Adam? They were the paths of either life, the Eitz HaChayim, or on the other hand, there was the Eitz HaDa'as Tovarah. You can have knowledge. And knowledge, at first glance, seems like a good thing. Who doesn't want to be informed? But interestingly, although the goal was to be informed, sometimes if you don't have the right news source, you're going to be misinformed and disinformed. Right? And in this case, the Nechash 
was a source of misinformation and disinformation, or whatever you want to call it. And in this particular case, the Nachash was, was arguing that your eyes will be opened. And interestingly, their eyes were opened. Right? You could be informed with information, but what is the source of your information? If it's the Eitz Hadas Tovara, then maybe it's the wrong source. Maybe better would be to be on the path of life. Something that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later this week. But look what the Navi says further. Pasuk Yod Tes, Pasuk 19. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my agent whom I send? Who is blind as the perfect one, and blind as the servant of Hashem? Very interesting. It sounds like the description of the servant of Hashem is someone who is blind. Seeing much but not guarding. Opening ears but not listening, says the Pasuk um, 42.20, Pasuk Chaf. So what is the Navi telling us? That all of the sight and knowledge which the serpent offers us is not worth it if we're not servants of God. Better, says the Navi, to be blind and uninformed, be in the bubble, be an uninformed and prude servant of God than an informed sinner. Yes, information is important, but for service of Hashem, not for rebellion against Hashem. It should be for heaven's sake, literally. For what was it that God ever intended in creation? Says the Pasuk right in front of us. The Pasuk that we alluded to earlier in passing. Pasuk, Parak Membez, Pasuk Chafalef. Hashem chafetz leman sidko yagdil Torah v'yadir, period. That is the goal. Hashem desires that for the sake of its righteousness, that the Torah be made great and glorious. To project His teaching, not foreign teachings, but to project His teaching to the world. Indeed, as Rashi tells us in the very first Pasuk of the Torah, Bishvil olam. For the sake of the Torah that is called racious, the world was created. For no other purpose. Not for you to have knowledge. Man, though, unfortunately, Israel as well, for God, its creator and provider. But it is alluded downtrodden people, all of them tramp, trapped in holes and in prison houses they are hiding. And we have that theme of hachbo, they are hiding. very first place we found this in the Torah, like Adam who was hiding. And then the Navi challenges them, challenges Kleinstrahl to think about who it was that allowed them to become plundered. Halo Hashem Velo Is it not Hashem against whom we've sinned, not willing to go in his ways and not listening to his Torah? Thus the Navi reminds us once again who is the Creator. Hashem Baracha. Now the now so says Hashem, your creator. Baracha Yaakov, Yaakov, he's your creator. Vyotzracha Yisrael, he's your former. Don't be afraid, because I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. And then the Navi reveals so poignantly. From the fact that you were worthy in my eyes, I honored you and I loved you, and I've placed a man in your stead. Adam, just like we find Adam Marishon, and for a regime under yourself. And if we read this verse with Bracious in mind, again, Adam is a reference to our protagonist, Embracious, that he will be placed under Israel, and when Israel, 
will have surpassed man, Adam, in life's mission of recognizing who the true creator is. So then we recognize our creator. All else will learn this truth and acknowledge it if we will only be the light unto the nations. And that's not all. But the Navi continues in Pasuk in 43.9. Let's go back to that Pasuk. Right? Where all the nations will gather together and the regimes will be assembled. Who among them could relate this? Who will tell them? Who could let us hear the early ones' prophecies? Now, me bahem yagid, who will be magid? That recalls Hashem's rhetorical question to Adam. Me higid lachaki erumata, right? Hashem asked Adam, who told you that you're naked? Implying that man must have undergone an experience that revealed this reality to him. How do you know that you're naked? Did you eat from the fruit? And here the Navi expresses that the nations could not have known and predicted the fate of Israel and life beforehand. Without God's guidance, like Adam, they could only learn from experiencing the reality themselves. And take a look at the close of the Haftarah. It references creation one last time. You are my witnesses, says Hashem, and my servants whom I have chosen in order that you should know and believe me. And you should understand that I am it. Before me there is nothing formed by any God and afterwards, there shall not be. Before, when I said kale, I should have said ale, because it's using a profane expression, not referring to Hashem, before in God's. The Navi drives on once again the theme that creation is not merely an event, but a constant signature of Hashem's sole ownership over the world. That he was not formed, but there was, and there was nothing formed before him, nor will there ever be another God after him. So now that we've taken a look at a lot of this passage, what's its message to us? Hashem created the world and therefore what? What it, creation implies is that we have a mission. Hashem created the world. Hashem created us. And therefore, what do we owe him back? Quite clearly, God's seal and signature on creation stands for more than just the knowledge of truth that it declares that, yes, one time God created the world. It stands for what this truth ultimately demands of each and every component of creation. Bereshus does not merely tell us that there was creation. And creation does not merely tell us that there is a creator. This is all true. Yes, there was creation and there was a creator. But the implications of creation go way further. The implication of creation is that there is an all-encompassing divine will. Bereshus necessarily entails that there's a relationship between creator and creation. Creation demands that we have an active recognition of its creator. And how do we recognize the creator? By listening to what he says. Not doing what Adam did and making an about face to Ratzon Hashem. That's what man neglects to do when he chooses the counsel of the serpent over that of Hashem. That is the lesson of Bereshus that there are implications to creation, that Hashem demands something of us, that creation demands something of us. And that is that we recognize it. We recognize it through our actions. We recognize it by being Magdal Torah Vyadir, by making Hashem's Torah great, by fulfilling it, by following it, by doing what it says. If anything, that's what creation implies, that we have a mission, that there is a why to creation, and for our purposes, it is to do what Hashem says. And that's really it. And we should be zochah to not only recognize that Hashem is our creator, but to demonstrate a recognition by submitting ourselves to his will, thriving where Adam neglected to, becoming a light to the nations that or 
And the entire world should recognize that Hashem is the creator with the coming of the Geula. Have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for joining us here at the Database.